All right. Welcome back, dear listeners, to another episode of the Zest for Life podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Todd Spencer. And today we're exploring the power of listening, specifically how do we be active and empathetic listeners and the benefits to our overall well-being and our relationships. And the first thing that comes to my mind when I start thinking about the importance of listening, I remember like being in high school and uh, for some leadership class reading The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. And this book, like, it sold more than 20 million copies. That that means, like, you could have the whole, like, in 2020, the, est- the population estimation for Florida was 22 million. And so you basically, it's like if Florida decided, hey, we're going to have a statewide book club, everyone gets a book. That's how many people have, have, have bought this book. So obviously, it's a very influential book. But the thing that I remember most about reading that book was there was a chapter on communication and listening. And listen listen to this quote right here. So this is Stephen Covey. If I were to summarize in one sentence the single most important principle I have learned in the field of interpersonal relations, it would be this. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. And Covey goes on to highlight, you know, that oftentimes when we're listening, we're listening really with an intent to respond. And that we tend to respond in one of four ways. And one of them is evaluating. Where we're listening so we can evaluate. So we can judge what they're saying. And then we either agree or disagree. Or we listen uh, with a probing mentality where we're just asking questions from our own frame of reference. So we're just asking questions that reaffirm our own sort of biases or thoughts. Sometimes we listen to advise. right, So that we're listening so we can give cancel advice and solutions to the problem. And then the final sort of way we tend to respond naturally is interpreting where we analyze others' motives and behaviors based on our own experiences. Okay, and so so Covey making the argument, we sort of listen based on how we want to respond. And that if we can train ourselves to listen, to understand, that we then are able to sort of move forward relationship goals and initiatives, either within a company or within interpersonal relationships. And we're going to make a bit of a lane change and go from Stephen Covey to talking about one of my favorite movies, Dumb and Dumber. I'm a child of the 90s, and fun fact, Dumb and Dumber is a top five favorite movie for me. I think it's amazing. I think it's aged pretty well, and it just it just delights me. Anyways, so in Dumb and Dumber, there's this fantastic scene. We have Harry and Lloyd in the hot tub together. And, and Harry is going over how he's broken up with his girlfriend, Freda Felcher. And he, he gives us this quote, and I think it helps highlight a key part of like listening within relationships. And so, so again, so Harry's talking about how he's just broken up with Freda, and he says, she gave me a bunch of crap about not listening to her enough or something. I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention. And when you start thinking about some of the, like, the geniusness behind this quote, Right. Obviously, it's a, it's clever writing from the screenwriters. But in interpersonal relationships, when we listen, we really get to tap into the inner world of our partners. We get to understand their needs. We get to understand what it is that they are they're looking for and wanting. In essence, when we can listen this way, we're also sending the message to our partners that, hey, we love you. We care about you. And what's important to you is by default important to me. So who knows? Maybe Harry and Freda Felcher could have made it after all if Harry had learned how to listen. 
All right, so far we've already covered some Stephen Covey stuff. We've covered Dumb and Dumber. Now let's talk about some of the research and what do we understand about listening and the benefits of listening. As a scientist, I love studying couple dynamics and relationships. And a key component of that is obviously going to be communication. And as a researcher, I'm always looking for like what's a new scale or instrument to use to measure couple communication. And Bodhi, in 2011, published an article identifying sort of the properties of the active and empathetic listening scale. And within this, this measure, like there's, it captures so many things I love about couples and the way they communicate. All right, so within, within his, his research, he identifies three main domains of interpersonal communication, sensing, processing, and responding. And the first one we're going to cover is sensing. And this is the one that I, I find most fascinating. Sensing describes a listener's ability to understand the relational components of speech. So as a listener, the sensing is kind of the emotional attunement to the partner. Right? So it's not just the words and what they're saying, but it's do I feel in sync and in harmony? Are we vibing on the same frequency together? And this is a really important sort of idea that if I'm going to listen to understand, so if I'm going to actively use listening empathy skills, I have to be able to get in sync with, with, with my partner or the person I'm communicating with. And so sensing, again, it's going to highlight that within the communication interaction, there's a relationship. And the greater attunement you can be to the emotional frequencies of your partner, the more likely you are to understand them. The next part of active and empathetic listening is processing. And this is going to be the cognitive aspect of listening. This is going to be the how are we attending to, comprehending, receiving, and interpreting the messages. As I mentioned in the previous episode, the number one source of misunderstandings among couples is misinterpreting the intentions of their partner. Right, so processing as a listener it's you trying to decipher and decode the message that the sender is, has, has put into, into the relationship. And so being able to check and understand how am I processing this information is really, really important. And one of the biggest things that can influence the way we're processing what our partners are saying is through what is called communication filters. And this idea is presented by Howard Markman, Scott Stanley, and Susan Bloomberg in their book, Fighting for Your Marriage. And they identify five sort of filters that can affect couples as they struggle to have clear communication, right? And in this context, we're looking specifically, how do these communication filters influence the way we process information from a partner? And the five filters they identify are distractions, emotional states, beliefs and expectations, difference in styles, and self-protection. Right, so the first filter is distractions. And this simply is anytime there's a barrier to us to giving uh, prolonged attention to our partner. And the number one way we're starting to see this now is how individuals engage with media and how media is integrated into our couple relationships. So take this vignette, for example. Let's say you've had a long day at work and you come home and you find your partner and they're sitting on the couch. They have their phone and they're just kind of doom scrolling whatever sort of media they consume and you say oh honey hey it's great to see you and they keep looking at their phone what is being communicated in that moment 
it's largely the idea that what I'm engaging with with my phone is more important than what you're about to say. Right? So that that's frustrating. Or think about the times that you're trying to talk to someone and they pull out their phone and they start using their phone to text. Okay? So so in these instances there's a distraction that's going to filter the person's listening ability to to process and understand clearly what the other person is trying to to communicate. Right? But other distractions can be simply, hey, we're not in the right setting for this kind of conversation. So if there's a a more sensitive, intimate conversation that needs to be had. Sometimes it's not the right setting. Sometimes it can be a function of we're not with the right company, the right people. This is a conversation we'd like to have uh, more privately. It could be we've got screaming kids and it's hard to be able to have this conversation when children have some, some needs that need to be addressed. So the simple takeaway is just manage the distractions when you are trying to communicate with your partner. The next communication filter is emotional states. And what this means is the way we're feeling impacts the way we're going to interpret what our partner is saying. For example, there's research that indicates that based on how we're feeling, we're more likely to give our partner the benefit of the doubt or to be more critical, right? So if we're feeling irritable, we're likely to interpret what our partner is saying with a more critical eye. So one simple approach to managing the emotional states communication filter is for each partner to identify their own emotional states before they begin an important interaction. And one of the magical things is by just simply acknowledging the emotional state, we typically are then better able to manage that filter as we're interpreting and processing what our partners and others are saying. And the last of Markman, Stanley, and Blumberg's uh, communication filters we're exploring today is the idea of self-protection. Right? And all of us have a fear of rejection to some extent. Okay? And when we feel that sort of fear of being rejected, we may water down what we think, what we feel, and what we say in, the, in interactions. But also, when we're worried about being rejected, it influences the way that we listen. Right? Where messages, messages feel more threatening, we may have a tendency to be more agreeable and engage in more people-pleasing tendencies. So all in all, communication filters hold potential to be a significant barrier to the processing component of active and empathetic listening. And the final component of Bodhi's active and empathetic listening is the idea of responding. Responding is going to be kind of the communication skills most people think about. Right? For example, the questions include, I assure my partner that I'm listening by using verbal acknowledgments. I assure my partner that I'm receptive to their ideas. I ask questions that show my understanding of my partner's position. I show my partner that I'm listening by my body language. And when you think about congruent communication, right, this idea that I say what I mean, mean what I say, my body language is matching the words that I'm saying, responding is, is a key component of that. So if we want our partner to feel understood, it's important that we demonstrate that we're tracking the conversation by using all those congruent communication skills. So going back to Stephen Covey's quote, where most people do not listen with intent to understand, they listen with intent to reply, reminds me of author Roy T. Bent, who says, listen with curiosity, speak with honesty, act with integrity. The greatest problem with communication is we don't listen to understand. We listen to reply. When we listen with curiosity, we don't listen with intent to reply. We listen for what's behind the words. And I love the notion, the idea of how do we be curious listeners of the people we love. 
We'll get into this deeper next episode as we explore conflict resolution. But in general, research is really pretty clear. Sometimes the most healing someone needs is just to feel understood. It's not to solve their problem. It's not to remove the obstacles. It's do I have a someone that I feel like I can list that will listen to me, that I can explore how I feel, and that I can be loved, accepted, and understood within that experience. I hope today's episode has been helpful and given you some ideas about how you might effectively listen and the overall benefits of listening and the role it has in communication overall wellness. And today's application assignment of the episode is influenced by an article published by Forbes where they have what they call a Forbes Coaches Council where they ask different professionals to share their best advice on how to be an effective listener. So what I want you to do is I'm going to list off some ideas and I want you to do a quick inventory of which of these things are you already doing really, really well. So if you can identify one to two things, you're like, well, I'm doing this and I understand how this is making a difference in my relationships. The second piece is to pick one, just one of these suggestions that if you were to incorporate would add value to the quality communication and specifically help you be a more effective listener. The first recommendation is to listen with all the senses. So not just pay attention to what you're hearing, but be mindful of your other four senses during the interaction. Second, don't make assumptions. Don't assume to know what your, uh, the individual's thinking and just really listen, again, to, to understand. Three, adopt deep curiosity about what the other individual is saying. When you're curious about them, you're able to grow from them. One of my mentors has said, if you want to be the most interesting person in a room, be the most interested in other people in the room. So again, so deep, so three, uh, developing a posture of deep curiosity. Four is to drop your defenses. If you find yourself highly defensive during interactions, it's going to impact the way you're interpreting and influence your ability to listen to interactions. We can go deeper in another episode to explore how might we do that. Five is to ask yourself what matters most. By being able to prioritize really what you value, it will increase the likelihood of you listening more accurately. Six, paying attention to the nonverbal communication. We talked about this in the previous episode. And remember that verbal communication only makes up a small percentage of the overall meaning of the message. Seven, become physically present. This is all about removing the communication filter distractions. And so if you are not present in the interaction, do what you need to to be present. Eight, allow for moments of silence during interactions. Recommended is allow yourself a minimum of five seconds after someone has spoken to reflect on what was the most important thing that you heard and how can you inform that individual that you've, you've heard and that you understand. And the last one to consider is, are you actively trying to listen from the other person's point of view? And while that seems super obvious and like sort of like a duh, it really does matter when we are actively trying to listen from the other person's point of view. All right, that concludes this episode. Uh, please join next time as we explore conflict resolution and how do we effectively manage conflict and still maintain a sense of wholeness and well-being. You guys know the drill. Stay zesty. Thanks, guys.